buried deep within even the most troubling signs of the times is a glorious ray of hope, Christ's return. This is the first indication that we are near to our being caught up in a moment of twinkling of an eye. Deception and delusion will be rampant in the last days. Now, I know this is no huge revelation. We all know it. We can see it all around us, but the point we need to make is how fast it arrived. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. Radio for the Remnant, brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. We look at the signs of the times today as Jan features a recent conference speaker of ours, Pastor Barry Stagner. We hope you will receive great hope and comfort in the message of this hour, that the signs of the times today are heralding the soon return of the Lord. Here is today's programming. I'm so glad you can join me for Understanding the Times Radio today. I'm going to do something just a little bit different this week. Two months ago at our last Understanding the Times gathering of 2023, we brought to the Twin Cities Pastor Barry Stagner from Southern California for the evening. I'm going to play his message from that night on the signs of the times. It's not a long message, and then I'm going to share briefly a portion of the discussion from that night and also the Q&A. Those two segments include Pastor Mark Henry and yours truly. Again, I'm playing Pastor Barry Stagner's message and then some very short comments on the panel and Q&A. And I'll tell you how you can see this in its entirety a little bit later. So for now, let's get over to Pastor Barry Stagner. We could talk about a lot of things. I mean, there's a bevy of things we could discuss regarding the last days. And I couldn't decide which to talk about, so I thought we'll just talk about all of them. Now, in Matthew 24, verse 3, we're told, having told the disciples that there will not be one stone left upon another of the temple grounds and the temple itself, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and four of the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, the interesting thing about this is Jesus didn't rebuke Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the two pairs of fishermen brothers amongst the 12. And they had a very specific inquiry that they laid before him. And he didn't say, you know, just worry about what's in front of you. Just don't be concerned about what's going to happen in the future. Because the truth is, every Christian ought to be wondering about when is the Lord coming? When should we see all the things that you talked about coming to pass and we should always be expectant of the rapture of the church. Amen? Amen. Today would be a good day for it, wouldn't it? Yes. Those of you who are thinking, I hope he comes before this message is over, shame on you. <laughs> now, what followed the question is a very long and specific answer called the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus was giving an accounting of what was going to take place. It's the longest answer to any question that was ever asked of him that's recorded in the scripture. And it encompasses all of Matthew 24, where the specifics are given. And then illustrations begin in Matthew 25 by a pair of parables that are related to his coming. And then a specific word regarding the post-tribulation era, when the sheep and the goats are divided after he comes again. Now, there's a lot of people today who say, well, Jesus said we don't know the day or the hour, so nothing can be known. Well, as far as the prophetic timeline goes, we have to remember the words in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, 
where the author says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That's why we're here tonight, amen? Amen. To stir each other up, that we would get about the good work of sharing the gospel with others. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, if you're wondering what that means. It means go to church. (laughs) Amen? Amen? It means go to church. Not only does it mean go to church, but it means, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need each other right now like never before in history. We need to be together. We need to be equipped for the work of ministry, and that's why we need to be together as the church frequently. Now, it's kind of a no-brainer, but in order to see the day approaching, which means to see future events developing, there have to be identifiable precursors that indicate what was written is about to be fulfilled. So the question is, what is it that we can see that tells us we are living in the last days? And that's the title of our time tonight, a very appropriate title for a message on Bible prophecy. And we are given some specific as to what the specifics as to what the last days are actually going to be like in the Olivet Discourse. Paul gives others, Peter gives some, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, and others tell us specifics about the last days and much of what will go on prior to it and during the tribulation. Now, the Lord says prior to his coming, it would be as it was in the days of Noah. And the coming he is referring to is the coming to meet the church in the air with the dead in Christ and for us to forever be with the Lord. Now, in Matthew 24, 36 to 39, we're told of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days, what are the next three words? Before the flood, before God's global wrath. In the days before God's global wrath, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. I believe this is in reference to the church age. Until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, there's a a group of reasons why I believe this is a reference to the rapture of the church, not the least of which Revelation 17 tells us that prior to the second coming, the voice of the bride and bridegroom will not be heard, and all global commerce will have shut down because of the destruction of Babylon. So there will not be marrying and giving in marriage before the second coming. There will not be buying and selling before the second coming. This is a reference to the coming of the Lord to take his church to where he is. Now, as an Old Testament typology, we could read this as in parallel to the days of Noah as saying, in the days before God's global wrath, people were buying and selling and marrying and giving in marriage as though nothing was about to happen. And this continued until the day that it was too late and God's global wrath began. Is that where we're living right now? Are there signs all around us that Jesus is coming? Uh, I'm not going to give you any more hints. The answer to that is yes. Are there signs all around us that Jesus is coming? Absolutely. Is the majority of the world completely indifferent to those signs? Yes, they are. Jesus is coming soon. I'm sorry, that's better news than not saying anything. Jesus is coming soon. Now, 
This is what it's going to be like right before the Lord comes for us. People will act like nothing is coming. Now, some may ask the question, well, how were they supposed to know? What indications were there in the days of Noah? Well, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, we're told it had not rained on the earth at all, but a firmament, a, a mist went up from the ground and watered the earth. And Genesis 7, 4 says that God announced when rain was coming, that it was going to rain for the first time for 40 days and 40 nights. So what would be the signs that would have told the people of the world that something was coming? Well, according to 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So that means he was a proclaimer of truth. Now, we do know that he built a massive ship with the basic dimensions of a modern battleship, and he built it on dry ground. And we know that he built it for 120 years, according to Genesis 6.3. So here you've got a man preaching righteousness, building a boat on dry ground, away from water, where it had never rained. Do you think anybody was talking about him? Are people talking about us today? Are they talking about the people of God today? Absolutely. But here's what we need to understand. With this small group of people, the people who knew that judgment was coming were living and acting like judgment was coming while they were preaching to the world that judgment was coming. And this is what we need to be doing today. We cannot shy away from the judgment of God because it is part of the gospel message. After all, in Revelation, you see an angel flying in the midpoint of heaven. That's the high point in the sky where the sun is at noon. It's the meridian. And this angel is preaching the everlasting gospel. And the everlasting gospel opens with these statements from this angel, which will fulfill the gospel being preached to the whole world. And then the end coming, when this angel is preaching, he says, fear God and give him glory for the hour of his judgment has come. Now this is defined as the gospel. So we can't shy away from the fact that judgment is coming. Is judgment coming? Yes. Absolutely. God is going to judge the whole of the earth. And this is what we need to be doing in light of the fact that we have information that the rest of the world does not have. They are indifferent. They are marrying and giving in marriage, buying and selling, and yet judgment could happen at any moment after the Lord takes us out of the way and allows, therefore, the Antichrist to rise to power. Now, in the Q&A time, please don't ask who he is. I don't know. On top of that, I don't care who the Antichrist is. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ to meet him in the air. Amen? Now, three things you already know that I want to share with you tonight. And the first is this. Listen, in the last days, deception and delusion will be rampant. This is the first indication that we are near to our being caught up in a moment and twinkling of an eye. Deception and delusion will be rampant in the last days. Now, I know this is no huge revelation. We all know it. We can see it all around us. But the point we need to make is how fast it arrived. All of a sudden, some of you are like me. You've been around for 35 plus years. <laughs> I said plus. Have things changed in the last five years? Dramatically? Have they changed in the last two years? Have they changed in the last two months? Yeah, they keep moving farther and farther away from God. And I know we recognize that there's always been deceivers. There's always been delusional people in our world, but they've never been the majority. 
And they are the majority today. And the fact is, while the delusional have had places of power in time past, it's never been an easy access for them. They've always had to take it by force. But now we live in a day where deceitful and delusional people are voted into office. Remember, I'm from California. (laughs) And we know what delusional and deceitful people and places of power can do. Deceivers and delusion is rampant and it's global today. And in 2 Timothy 3, 12 to 15, Paul told Timothy, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I've never seen that on a t-shirt, have you? Nobody's made a bumper sticker out of that verse. But it's true, right? But evil men, thank you for the three of you who agreed. How about the rest of you? Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, or in contrast, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now the word translated as imposters is important. It means someone who casts an incantation. It can also be translated as a wizard. And what that tells us is that the deception and delusion of the last days is spiritual at its core. And Paul highlights our source of surviving the age of deception and delusion as learning and knowing the Holy Scriptures. And listen, saints, we need to remember that in all the deception and delusion around us, that it is spiritual at its core. Politics may be involved. Globalism may be a tool used to advance it. Marxism might be a vehicle to promote it, but behind it all is the Antichrist spirit. Think about what's happening today. They're attacking the whole of the Genesis narrative, beginning with Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How many believe that tonight? That he spoke it into existence in six night-day cycles and took Sunday off because he was finished with the creative process. Well, think about what's going on today. They're saying God's gender list is wrong. God's gender list is a lot shorter than the world's today. I don't know what it is. It was like 20, then it hit 50, then it was 60, now it's 100 and something genders. But the interesting thing is nobody can name them. They just know there's that many. Well, God's is shorter. Male, female, end of list. That's God's gender list. And the world is saying, no, no, that's wrong. They're saying God's definition of marriage is wrong. Male and female distinctions are wrong. Now, why all these things? Why are they picking on these things? Because it's God who established them. The battle is spiritual. And in Romans 1, 18 to 21, we're told the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Is that happening today? Because what may be made known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are, next two words, without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Think about the delusional things we're hearing today. You will own nothing and be happy. 
Well, people who don't have anything today already aren't happy. And we're seldom happy with what we have. We always seem to want a little bit more, right? Don't leave me hanging up here. Get on the bus now. (laughs) Could anybody here use a little more money? Yeah, we all feel that way, right? (laughs) Listen, we're not having a confessional here. It's just, this is what it's like for us. Think about what the World Economic Forum is telling us and the foolishness of it and their sustainable development goals and all the things they're trying to accomplish through this idiotic uh, climate change movement. Now, uh, people get upset with me sometimes when I tell them I believe in climate change, but I call it by its ancient name, weather. (laughs) The climate does change, right? Now, we're hearing today you can be whatever gender you choose, according to the alphabet crowd. I can't keep up with that either. LGBTQYZXLMNOP, all these letters are adding to it. The evolution community says the universe created itself. And then when you argue, well, God created everything, they say, well, who created God? And this group who believes nothing can create everything cannot accept an uncreated God, but they will accept the self-creating universe, which is absolutely ridiculous. I'm sorry. I can't believe first there was nothing, then it blew up. (laughs) Now, we're told that trans women are real women by the group that wants the rest of us to pay for hormone therapy and gender transformation surgeries. Well, listen, if you are what you think you are, then why do you need either of those? And the truth is, on this whole climate change thing, interestingly, the Wall Street Journal ran an article that said, hottest days ever? Don't believe it. Average global temperature is a meaningless measure, and comparisons to 125,000 years ago are preposterous. Again, this is the Wall Street Journal saying this. And the global warming industry, the article said, uh, declared that July 3rd and 4th were the two hottest days on Earth on record. The reported average global temperature on those days was 62.6 degrees Fahrenheit, supposedly the hottest day in 125,000 years. And the article says, one obvious problem with the updated narrative is that there is no data from 125,000 years ago. (laughs) I would say that's a significant problem with that. Wouldn't you? Now, moreover, the article concludes, the notion of an average global temperature is meaningless. Average global temperature is a concept invented by and for the global warming hypothesis. It is more a political concept than a scientific one. The earth and its atmosphere is large and diverse, and no place is meaningfully average, the article concludes. Yay to the Wall Street Journal for telling the truth. Now, our deception and delusion rampant today. And remember, deception is to know what's true and present something that is not as fact. And this is all in preparation for the coming lawless one. As Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 12, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of who? With all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Note that that's singular that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Are we living in a time where the gospel is largely rejected? Are we living in a time where people find pleasure in unrighteousness? Are we living in a time where lies are widely accepted as fact? 
And all of this sudden and rampant deception and delusion are in preparation for the worship of the Antichrist. It's already happening, and it reaches its fulfillment during the tribulation. Then, if we're seeing preparations well underway, we must be getting close to the twinkling of an eye experience we're all longing for. One of the things I like to do at Prophecy Conferences, I want to have the exercise with you, just take a quick second, but I want you to do something. I want you to blink your eyes just once. Just blink them once. One of these times when you do that, when you open them, you're going to be looking at Jesus. It actually goes faster than that, but I'm not going to get into the difference of the length of a twinkle and a blink. A blink's good enough for me. Amen? One of these times that's going to happen, and we're going to be looking at Jesus, and that could be today. Now, the second thing to look for uh, as a sign of the nearness of the 70th week of Daniel is that in the last days, anomalies will become normalities. In the last days, anomalies will become normalities. Now, an anomaly, by definition, is something that deviates from the expected. And there's a lot of things that we expect. We expect there to be uh, kind of false Christ or false teachers. We expect there to be wars and rumors of wars. We expect there to be, to a degree, ethnic tensions and strife. We expect pestilence. We expect famine. They're a normal part of life on a fallen earth. We expect earthquakes. We expect atmospheric events. So what's meant here by the point? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 3 to 8, as he sat again on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be as we read earlier? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are what? The beginning of sorrows. Now, the fact that these naturally recurring events are mentioned in answer to a question about signs of his coming tells us there is something that is going to make the normal become unusual. And the phrase beginning of sorrows could also be translated as the commencement of birth pangs. In other words, what Jesus said to the four disciples is that a time is coming where things are going to exponentially and suddenly increase in frequency and intensity that have naturally occurred down through the ages. Now, there are those who have claimed to be the second coming of Christ. There was a guy not too long ago in Puerto Rico that said he was the second coming of Christ. And my first thought was, Last time I checked, Jesus was a Jew, not Puerto Rican. And, you know, every once in a while, somebody pops up. And, you know, they're usually pretty quickly dismissed as a kook or a fraud. And, uh, unfortunately, they gather a few misguided followers. But I think what we can better understand Jesus to be saying here is rather than there's going to be a myriad of people claiming to be the second coming of Christ. Remember, the Antichrist is not a big fan of competition by remembering that Christ means anointed. And in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, 
have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I once knew you. What's he say? I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, what we're told, I do believe, between the end of the Sermon on the Mount and the beginning of the Olivet Discourse is in the last days, we will see people use the name of Jesus and claim an anointing and therefore power to do the miraculous. Now, note that in this claim of this group, these false teachers Jesus is addressing at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, there's no mention of leading people to Christ. Remember, Jesus said, because I go to my Father, greater things than these will you do. Well, what is the greater thing than raising the dead and healing the sick and casting out demons? Well, the greater thing is saving the human soul through the preaching of the gospel. These are the greater things that happen. And there's no mention of those things by this group who say, didn't we use your name and exploit it for our own purposes and do wonders and prophesy and cast out demons? All things that can draw a crowd, none of them can save the human soul. Has there been an increased focus on signs and wonders in these last days? Hello? Yes, Yes, there have. The wars and rumors of wars have always been present, but now the whole world is talking about North Korea against the West, China and Taiwan, Russia and Ukraine. There's talk about World War III today and the possibility of nuclear war on a global scale. Today we're hearing about supply chain disruptions, grain shortages, skyrocketing inflation, Things that used to be anomalies are now global normalities. Now in Revelation 6, 5, and 6, when he, Jesus, opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. A denarius is just a day's pay for a laborer. And do not harm the oil and the wine. And food shortages that create a famine-like condition on the earth are on the horizon, and the stage is being set even now. Anybody hear anything about plagues or pestilence lately? (laughs) Just a little bit, right? Well, I want you to think about something. The bubonic plague of the 14th century was then followed by the cholera epidemic of the 19th century. And the next plague that came was the Spanish flu of the 20th century. These things were well-spaced, a half a millennium apart, and then a century apart, or actually over a century apart. These kind of plagues that reached the world or impacted the world have been rare and widely spaced in time past. Today, we just came out of a global pandemic, and we're being prepared for the next one, and told that it is coming. Now... How much of this is a reality is the matter for another time. But there are a few things we could say about the cause of this, but we'll leave that alone for now. Because one thing we need to note regarding the birth pangs is that Jesus included the earthquakes in his package of increasing in frequency and intensity events. Now, the Greek word translated as earthquake is the word seismos. And the word seismos actually directly translated means A commotion of the air or the ground. It's not limited strictly to geological events. It can mean an earthquake, but it can also be translated as a gale or a tempest or a storm. Have we been having any weather anomalies lately? Think about all the things that are going on around the world. New York was just flooded. We're seeing that happen all over the world. Well, remember, God hung a bow in the sky to say he's not going to destroy the whole planet with rain ever again. Aren't you glad for that? 
But we do know that trouble is coming on the geologic and uh, cosmological scale during the tribulation period. Now, there's also something interesting. There's a relationship between earthquakes and volcanoes. So it would not be a stretch to include them as things that are increasing in these last days. How many know what a supervolcano is? Anybody hear of that, a supervolcano? A supervolcano is not a cone volcano. The volcano is completely underground. And there's what's called a caldera on the surface of the earth. Some of these calderas are quite large. Actually, the largest one in the world is in central California. Mammoth Mountain is a 20-mile-wide caldera, those of you who are familiar uh, with California. And these of the 21, 18 of them in the last 25 years have become active to some degree. Now listen, if a supervolcano erupts, it's going to destroy everything within 500 miles in every direction. They're a lot more massive in scope and scale than the cone-shaped volcanoes that we're all familiar with. Yellowstone has been in the news a lot. It's been emitting helium-4 gas, which is a natural process prior to an eruption, and all volcanoes release helium-4 gas, but not at the levels that geologists have reported in recent years, and that is because helium-4 gas in heavy concentrations gets trapped in the deep rock layers where the magma is, and if helium-4 gas is being removed or escaping at the levels that it has been, then that tells the geologists that magma is beginning to move. And if Yellowstone, uh, one of the largest, the largest is the Mauna Loa volcano uh, on, in Hawaii, but if Yellowstone erupts, it is going to do exactly what we said a moment ago, destroy everything within 500 miles uh, all at one time. And by the way, before God's wrath breaks out on the earth, you know we're going to be gone, right? We don't have an appointment with that? That's better news than your response. We don't have an appointment with God's wrath. Amen. Amen. Now, the one word we hear today in relation to the hurricane storms and geological events more frequently than ever is unprecedented. And, you know, part of that's the media. You know, those guys that uh, Amir calls the medianites. <laughs> they have a hard time telling the truth these days, don't they? And everything, oh, it's the worst ever, most incredible ever and all these typical things but you know we are seeing some things on scales that are unprecedented you know there have been throughout the course of recorded history where uh, earthquakes have been tracked prior to uh, the the uh, latter stages of the 20th century uh, for 150 years the number of great earthquakes a great earthquake is one over a magnitude eight were one per, per decade do you know now we're having multiple great earthquakes per year all around the world? Earthquakes are increasing. And, you know, as all men know, the closer you get to birth, the more intense the birth pangs. <laughs> Moms, you know what I'm talking about, right? Now, we know that, as Romans 8.22 says, the whole of creation is groaning and laboring with birth pangs until now. Now, Paul said that as creation groans, we too will groan eagerly waiting for our new bodies. Anybody else here looking forward to that new body? Amen. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, it's interesting. Once you reach a certain age, I hear <laughs> that when you get up in the morning, you have to do a systems check before your feet 
hit the floor and make sure everything is operational. At least this has been what I've heard uh, some people have to do every morning. I was telling the group in Australia that, um, you know, I was having a little back trouble. So if I was moving funny, it's because I messed up something in my back. And I, I told them, I wish I could tell you that we were driving to the conference and I saw a house on fire and I ran in and rescued everybody uh, in there and, and, uh, and hurt my back, pulling out all these people and saving their lives. But I had to confess, you know how I hurt my back? Sleeping. You reach an age where you get hurt sleeping, and that uh, I'm looking forward to that new body. Now, the whole creation, including us, is groaning and travailing, awaiting our redemption when we get those new bodies. But Paul concluded that passage in Romans 8:22 to 25, saying that we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And that word perseverance is one of my favorite Greek words uh, in the New Testament. It's the word hupomoni. And it means cheerful endurance. So no matter what's going on, even if you live in California, you can have cheerful endurance. You can continue to place your hope on the Lord Jesus Christ. And deception and delusion are rampant. What were once anomalies are now normalities. The world has lost its mind. The days are increasingly evil. The love of many has grown cold. So what is there to be cheerful about? Jesus is coming soon. That's what we can be cheerful about. Now, one last thing. In the last days, morality and politics will polarize the world. In the last days, morality and politics will polarize the world. Now, remember what Jesus said in answer to the question about the end of the age. He said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Now, that's not redundancy. The Greek word translated as nation is ethnos, from which we derive our word ethnic. And Jesus is saying that ethnic tensions are part of the signs that indicate he is coming soon. Now, the the word kingdom is the word Bethselia, and it does not mean kingdoms in the sense of a national identity. What the word actually means is the right to rule. In other words, Jesus is saying one of the signs of the end of the age is there will be battles over the right to rule. Is that happening today? It's happening all over the world. Let me use this guy named Joe as an example. That's as far as I can get with mentioning him, Joe. In 2012, Senator Joe said on the program, Meet the Press, quote, we already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, Biden said. We've all voted, not where I voted, and others have said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law, and there's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. Who said that? Joe said that. Ten years later, on December 13, 2022, on CNN, Biden signs into law same-sex marriage bill ten years after his famous Sunday show answer on the issue. Now, this makes two points. Most politicians will do whatever it takes to stay in power. They will fight for the right to rule. It also includes their changing their position on major moral issues. And the second thing is, is that humanity, people, the constituents, will either celebrate or condemn the flip-flop on a political or moral issue. Now, this is why we need to recognize what the Lord told us in Revelation 13. 
He talks about those deceive, or he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. This is the second beast, the false prophet. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or where? On their foreheads and that no one, say no one, no one one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. And the reason this is important for you and I today is to tell us how close we are to the Lord's coming for us because during the tribulation, the world will be completely polarized into two groups, the marked and the unmarked. And the marked will hate the unmarked to the degree that if only by their silence, they're going to consent to their deaths. Have we heard anything recently about punishing the unvaccinated or withholding medical care to the unvaccinated? Did you know that a recent poll said there were 2.44 million Americans who said they would be willing to kill a person who opposed them politically? Americans. Now, the article tried to soften the blow by saying, but there's 188 million who wouldn't. Well, I'm sorry, that's still 2.44 million who are whack jobs, who would kill somebody who has a different political opinion about them. And listen, the mentality for what's coming is already here. There's nothing more to develop. We've already decided that it is important to defend as a country the wholesale murder of the most innocent among us to the tune of millions a year. So it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to kill people who disagree with the coming world leader. Think about it today. You use the wrong wrong pronoun, it's considered an act of violence and therefore punishable by law as an assault. I'm sure you've seen some of the faces of the pro-choice crowd and the hatred in their eyes and the crazy look on their faces. Listen, the world is already polarized into two groups. The left and the right, the conservatives and the liberals are labels many use today, but the ultimate polarization is not from identity politics or virtue signaling. The ultimate Polarizing is what Jesus said. You're either for him or against him. And that's the situation that the world is in today. And it has nothing to do with the signs of his coming, even though we do know it will be at a scale unprecedented when it is time for him to come, because this has always been true. You're either for the Lord or you are against the Lord. There's no middle ground. And the world is dividing clearly into those two camps. And that again tells us Jesus is coming soon. Somebody say amen. Amen. And Father, we are grateful for your word. We thank you that you have told us the things that you have. We can look to the back of the book and see the end of the story and know, God, that there is a rescue that awaits us and that we do not have an appointment with your wrath and that we will, we will be kept from the whole hour of trial that is coming upon the world. So we're grateful for the information that we have. And we pray, God, that we would do something with it and not simply hide our light under a bushel. But, Lord, that we would be that city that's set on a hill that gives light to all around us. Even at a time, Lord, where people don't want to hear the message, we know that you are still saving souls and that there is a remnant 
church, God, on the planet today that is healthy and strong and doing what you've called us to do. So Lord, help us all to be among that number in these last days and perilous times. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a rather significant um, drug and alcohol background. Not recently. Praise God. Yeah, Praise yeah. God. Many years ago. And, you know, I, I, when God delivered me, I mean, he set me free. And... You know, the Bible says that I was a drunk. I didn't catch alcoholism when somebody sneezed and, and, and I caught it. Uh, it was a series of conscious decisions that I made that became habitual and then consumed my life and almost cost me my marriage. And, you know, there are certain things I, I have come to realize since then that I am of a personality type that when I do something, I'm all in. Mm. And I'm all in for the Lord instead of all in for the devil. Amen to that. And I was born that way. <laughs> but I was told to deny that guy and take up my cross and follow him. And you know, what, what the homosexual community is looking for is not inclusion. They're looking for an exemption. They want what they do to be allowed. Where the rest of the church has to repent of their sin. The thief, steal no more. The liar, lie no more. Everything else that people have natural tendencies to do because they're born that way. And what you pointed out is so important. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? Doesn't all mean all? All the time? All have sinned. So we all need a savior. And what they're looking for is the ability for their sin to be allowed because they were born that way. Well, that doesn't float. Uh, and such were some of you are some of the most powerful words in scripture. But you were washed. And you know, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life, everything begins to change. You know, I used to live for booze. I mean, literally, I went to bed thinking about when I could start drinking the next day and what my schedule was that would allow me to start drinking as early as possible. And that all went away. I don't think like that anymore. I have new desires. And, you know, God can deliver anybody from anything. If he can speak the universe into existence in six night-day cycles, he can deliver the homosexuality from the homosexual from how they were born. I mean, if you want to make that argument. We're all born that way. We're all born as sinners. We're all born with our own tendency or manifestation of sin that God has called us to deny. And we can through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you said something earlier when we were talking that Andy said that, you know, the, the uh, religious people draw lines. Jesus draws circles. And, you know, he, he's basically trying to fill seats in the church and become that uh, virtue signaler, that we're, we're a compassionate people. Well, listen, if you will tell people things that will cost them their soul, you're not a, cas a, a compassionate person. You are a hater who is an enemy of God. And, you know, part of our responsibility and what Paul 
uh, or I'm sorry, what Jesus wrote to that same church that Paul was saying his goodbyes to, the church at Ephesus. He, he commended the church for testing those who say they're apostles and are not and found them liars. And you know, I, I think sometimes the church needs to include in their Christ-likeness turning over tables and calling Paul. There was a time where Paul, hey, Hymenaeus and Alexander, they did me great harm. Watch out for them. And there was a time, as Pastor Gary did, to name names and uh, to warn people. And we have to love people enough to say, man, don't go there. Don't go there. There's a church around the corner from ours uh, that is, uh, it's not a mega church. It's a giga church. It has uh, over 20,000 attendees. And this church called in all their leaders and told them, if you teach or believe all this Bible prophecy nonsense, you need to find another church. And anybody that asks me about this church, if they should go there, I tell them, no. It's not a Bible teaching church. And you know, this, this is part of our responsibility today to speak the truth, but to do it in love, but we can't redefine truth in order to be accommodating a virtue signal uh, to the world around us. Quickly from Philadelphia, my question is, can people possibly be saved after the rapture in the, the, despite their mocking Jesus now? Absolutely, the greatest revival known to the history of mankind will be after the rapture. My goodness, yes, many, many, many will come to faith. You want to comment, Mark, at all? Yeah, there's going to be people who have, who have mocked, and their neighbor's going to be, Jan's going to be gone, and they're going to be, Jan's got some neighbors that mock. Yeah, that's right. And, and there's going to be some, Jan was right. Why didn't I listen? Now, now listen, mm -hmm. there's going to be an opportunity. There's going to be a closing door, though, once, once they start taking the mark. It's impossible for them to believe. So there is a line in the sand. You know, Andy wants to talk about circle. There's a line. And so believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Escape the wrath that is to come upon the earth. Trust in Jesus now. We live in California. How do we stand up against evil leadership? We know we must keep praying, but it's really hard. California government is going deeper and deeper into sin. We trust the Lord. Uh, thank you. God bless you all. How do we stand up against this evil leadership? Barry, you may new tell them. <laughs> well, the, the one option that we don't have is doing nothing. And uh, I think our responsibilities are twofold. One, you know, that there's a lot of talk today about the church not being involved in politics, which in my mind, that doesn't float. Romans 13 says that the, uh, the institution of human government is God's ordinance. And God doesn't create ordinances and then want the devil's people to run it. We need to be involved in, in the political theater and, and have our voices heard. Um, so we need to get involved at that level. But I think the, the more practical element uh, is the boots on the ground uh, application to where we're dealing with our neighbors, telling people uh, what the government is doing. Because the fact is, we live at a time where people vote party in absolute ignorance. I vote Democrat no matter what they're doing or saying. If the Democrats authored it, I'm voting for it. So we need to tell them, do you know that that means that if you don't affirm your child's gender choice that the court can come in and take your kid from you? Did you know that? Because they don't. Because people don't do any 
homework today. They're busy watching TikTok and, and all these other things that, that uh, scratch the senses and, and give them a, a sense of, of enjoyment or pleasure. And, uh, you know, that's, we live in a world that are uh, the part of the perilous times are they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So people are completely ignorant and uninformed today, and we need to tell them what these measures are all about and stand. You know, we, I have stopped sermons in church and prayed for Gavin Newsom. And I have told the church, I am doing this as a matter of discipline because my, my flesh wants to pray, God, take him out. Yeah. <laughs> but God can save anybody. And so we need to pray uh, in, that, in that regard as well for his salvation. But I think we just need more and more people to stand up and let their voices be heard uh, to get involved. Most of you I know uh, know Pastor Jack Hibbs. Man, that guy takes some heat uh, for his position. He is, is constantly under fire, but I'll tell you one thing, the core of everything he does is out of his love for Christ mm-hmm. and seeing people come to faith. And, you know, we can't just sit by and, and, and do nothing. There's times for us to stand up. And as a Californian, it may seem like a losing battle. As a matter of fact, most of the time, Christians don't even vote in California because we're so outnumbered. Uh, Orange County, where I live, which has long been, there's even a magazine called the Red County. Orange County has long been a a Republican stronghold. Well, it flipped in the last couple of elections and it's Democrat now. And, um, you know, mostly because the Christians stayed home because they acted like or thought, what's the point in voting? We're going to lose anyway. Well, that's not the attitude to take because that will basically become your attitude towards what's the point in telling people about Jesus? They're going to say no anyway. No, we need to be salt and light. And that's why I think, you know, the the illustration Jesus gave about us being the light of the world, he, he made sure we understood it in two ways. One, we're a city on a hill. We're to have influence within our community. And then he talked about the table in the house. We're to have that same influence of being light and truth within our own circle with people that share our last name uh, in our home. So the option that we don't have is do nothing. We have to speak up. We have to tell people the truth about what's going on. And in order to tell that, you have to be informed. Thank you again, Pastor Barry Stegner. By the way, our next event is Thursday, February 22nd, 7 to 9 p.m., with Mondo Gonzalez of Prophecy Watchers. These are held at Revive Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. They are live streamed to the world. Pastor Mark Henry and I serve as co-hosts. You know, we are oftentimes criticized for watching for the signs of the times, and yet the Pharisees were chastised for not being aware of the signs of Jesus' first coming. How much more important to be watching and waiting for his return And the best way to do that is to look for the things the Bible says will be prominent. While it's true the blatant signs of the times really apply to the second coming, not the rapture of the church, if the signs of the second coming of Jesus are screaming at us, how much more obvious are the markers that herald his return in the clouds to catch up all believers and take us home? 
for seven years after which we return in the second coming. I want to thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again next week. You are the love song we'll sing forever. Contact us through our website, olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. We get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries in Jan Markell, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. The old year is winding down and a new one is on the horizon. We hope you will continue to look up in anticipation of his glorious return as we watch the countdown and as we see all things fall into place.